Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the Future of Email. My guest today from the diagonally opposite side of the continent, Brian Minnick, COO at Zero Bounce. Brian, delight to meet you and welcome aboard. Thank you, Matthew. I really appreciate you having me today and uh, look forward to a good conversation. Just two, uh, just two email geeks hanging out on Zoom t- <laughs> talking about email and, and tech and stuff like that. Hey, fill people in on Zero Bounce first like where to you know where does the company fit and what's it do yeah sure so zero bounce we're a email validation provider and what we're doing we're software as a service we have an online platform where customers would take their uh, database or crm or mailing list whatever kind of they're collecting with emails bring it into our platform we would scan and run through them to see who's got a good email address and who's got bad um, and we'll give you kind of an output based on who, if you were to send marketing campaigns to, who would actually receive your emails and who would not. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, our goal is to help kind of increase and boost ROI on, on marketing campaigns. And also we kind of uh, promote healthy and clean data. Uh, there's just been so much churn, especially in the last few years of the pandemic. Uh, you have to get that data cleaned up. And uh, that, that's really what we do. And we help. Uh, there's a lot of gray area and maybe we'll get into that today, but. Um, you know, we kind of help sift through that gray area with you. So your customers, among other things, are making the investment to work with you so that they can actually get email in the inbox, right? Their deliverability doesn't get hammered um, or they don't waste a ton of money on addresses that are not, not worth sending to and so on. Yeah, absolutely. So there's uh, there's bad data that people continuously pay to store system by system. That's yeah. that's one thing that's just instant ROI for anybody who's paying right. for something like that. Yeah. Uh, usually, especially if you're using any of the main theme softwares, pays for itself on month month zero. Really, uh, when you get done with that. So, um, but besides that, it's it's more about who, who's actually going to receive your emails um, and getting again some of that risky data out no two businesses are the same. And so kind of really get a, a fine level of detail in between to help guide those people uh, based on their type of business. So uh, if you'd like me to go in more detail, I could, but you know, I want to have a good conversation to you about emails. No, that's a, it's, it's a good top line. One, one of the, one of the pleasant surprises about working in the email space for the last few years for me was just to start to get a, to get a toehold on how complicated it is. We all yeah. go send and it's like wallpaper, right? Oh yeah, it mm-hmm. just works. We take it for granted. No, it's actually a whole lot more complicated than that, especially at the scale that, you know, that you guys and that your customers play at. Yeah. And, you know, we found a lot of different things. One of the interesting things is uh, working with some of the largest corporations in the entire world, right? So when they're in Fortune 50 list, these are companies you would assume, and we have a handful of them. I just can't name them, but sure. uh, you know, these are companies that you, you all, everybody knows they hold their products and, and things of this nature. And so even they don't get free passes when it comes to getting their emails into the inbox. And that has quite really opened my eyes, fact, right? Yeah. And actually they have, they have, uh, because they send at such large levels, their yeah. reputation is even more important. No, I don't want to say more important, but it's incredibly important to the yeah. success of how they send those campaigns out. And so. When I said there's that gray area, we have clients that have, you know, just lists that are 20 years old. They've, you know, it's when they started the business and they're just continuously building it, but they're never cleaning it. Yeah. Uh, and then we have other people where they're acquiring data and they don't know who to send to. And so, you know, those two businesses, while they both contain emails in their database, what they're trying to accomplish is totally different. 
the types of emails they would use within their list might be totally different. And so that's where we kind of really helped and sift through it. Uh, known complainers, people who mark you as spam. We can identify those people before you ever send. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's our goal is to really help make sure you keep and have a good sending reputation. Mm-hmm. So known complainers, I quite like the t-shirt. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> known complainer. You know, that's interesting. I'm going to a trade show pretty soon. We're going to present. Maybe I should come up with something. Do you know your known complainers? That'd be interesting. Oh, that's, that's priceless. Hey, you used a word, and, and, and I always try to keep in mind that everybody plays the degree of inside baseball on the particular uh, field we're on email in this case. Sure. Um, you use the term reputation. That's got a very specific meaning in the email space. Can you delve into that a little bit? Yeah. So as a sender, you have a, you have a reputation that is built, uh, both can be positive and can be negative based on actions and also behavior of the users who receive your email. So, um, by default, they want to give you benefit of the doubt. They start you with a a decent reputation. Uh, and so they will kind of get you into the inbox and they'll try things and see they're waiting for customer feedback or, or inbox feedback. User feedback. yeah. Yeah. And as soon as those people start kind of marking you as spam and things of this nature, they, they start to really heavily impact what your reputation looks like, which affects on the network level, uh, you know, all of your campaigns. So if Gmail starts to kind of say, ah, I'm not sure if, uh, I'm not sure about this, the sender, it can affect everyone who's on Gmail, including G Suite business users. And so that network is really starting to talk to each other and make uh, informative decisions based on feedback and actions that are taking place on their entire platform, not just with you on a one-to-one basis. And so, uh, people said to me things like, oh, email's dying. Uh, are you worried about the future? And, you know, and I know that's, that's the topic it's, I think it's the complete opposite. Um, we've seen, even with the pandemic, just such a huge shift of people moving towards email and people with no clue how to even start and. You know, so we're seeing a lot of brand new players coming into the game and really? uh, no one has proved to me as a cheaper way of communicating at that level. Uh, and so not even close. And so not anyone even, not even, yeah, yeah, not, not, not even close. Hey, one of the analogies when you were explaining reputation, one of the analogies that occurred to me was, you know, when you, when you get a car and you get a driver's license, uh, insurance company is like, okay, we'll see how you do. Mm-hmm. And if you get a lot of tickets and dents and things like that. Yeah, your rate's going to go go up. Yeah. You know? So you're going to find yeah. it harder to to just go out for a drive. It's going to cost you more, so to speak. Yeah, I like that analogy, actually. That's uh, that's 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 good, a good way to think about it. And there's many different levels and kind of vertical reputation. So, you know, I don't get too technical, but you have your uh, your domain reputation. You have your IP reputation of the sending, the IP address that you're sending from. You have the email level reputation. Uh, and then you have the feedback loops that are coming from the end, end users providing reputation feedback to you as a sender. So yeah, a lot of levels here, a lot of levels And that, you know, that one's, that one's easy to say, but it's a bit shocking when you, when you explain it a little, in a little more depth that the notion that, you know, that my behavior with messages in my inbox has an impact back on the guy who sent it to me and can be quite a powerful impact. It doesn't take a whole lot of people going spam for your yeah. reputation to get hammered. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. And actually like maybe a really easy and good, clean example to talk about with, with your, your, your audience here is we see a lot of people that come to us that have these emails like info at sales at support yeah. at, 
and they send, you know, that's, that's the email they receive, right? And that's fine. That's just normal. It's probably a real email address. I'm not, not, not uh, questioning the, the validity of the email, but what the impact of sending to an email like that is, let's say I sent one email to, you know, support at zero bounds. And now 50 people receive that email and 45 of them go, what the heck is this? Spam. So you said one email and you got 45 spam complaints. It's very detrimental towards, towards your reputation. And so that's kind of, we, we like to highlight these types of emails. And and again, the, the level of detail is just, is really crazy what we provide back. And we kind of recommend moving those into separate segments, blowing down, using the feedback that they're giving you and working through them. So, you know, you don't want to, not all emails are the same. We also have like disposable emails. That might be a new term for some people, or I like to call them burner emails because that's basically what they are, but they self-destruct, you know, it always yeah. reminds me of Inspector Gadget. I just always loved that show as a, as a kid, but you know, the self-destructing messages he was getting, it's the same exact thing with an email box that the self-destructing email box, just to get past your gate yeah. or get past your coupon block that you want an email address to get. And so. You know, they're used all over the place and people are not really mm. conscious of them. It is, they don't even know they really exist, that the concept exists. Hmm. Interesting. The email, the email list a company accumulates over time. It's an, it's an asset, but like any asset, like your home, right? There's, there's some maintenance involved, right? You better pay attention Absolutely. to the gutters um, or the thing will stop working as you thought it was. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I will tell you, it's been a hard battle to to always convince people too that that quantity in the email space is not the indicator you're looking for, and it shouldn't be the measurement of success. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hit a I hit a million email on my database, right, or whatever your number is for your yeah. business. Yeah, you will get so excited about that, but then I kind of hit them with the harsh reality of like, get ready to trash about thirty to forty percent of those emails, uh, depending upon your business. It might be smaller, it might be could be even larger, but um, a lot of them are garbage. So you have these bots that go after the signup forms. You have these self-destructing, they have no marketing value. And yes. so if your yeah. goal is for marketing value, you really want to pay attention to this stuff. And, uh, just kind of one thing that we've seen to be really helpful is everything I've talked about so far is reactive. So I have the email and then, you know, I mean, maybe you need to check it at that point. We're really trying to help and shift businesses to go towards a proactive approach, which is hook it right up to your signup forms and block it in the first place. And also we're catch, we're catching typos there as well. Interesting. So, yeah, sure. uh, you know, someone gives you a bad email address, especially on mobile, which is heavily in the usage, you know, heavily where people are, are engaging yeah. right now and they type Gmail instead of Gmail. We'll actually say, Hey, this is a bad email and present the fix. Uh, and so we've seen a lot of people also be able to kind of convert a a, a good intent, a real person, but typo their email address right. and convert it and bring it back. And so, right. you know, if you block all this stuff from the get-go, it's much easier to maintain. It's like buying a certified yeah. car, right? With a pre-maintenance yeah. package on it. And you, you just, <laughs> you just know what, what's coming, but you don't have to worry too much. And so we like the proactive approach as well. Okay. So this will be the one with the car analogy. That'll be this episode. We'll be doing car. I love it. I, I love cars. I'm a car guy. So. Are you a car guy? What do you drive? Uh, well, I have two young kids, so now I have an Explorer, uh, okay. the ST version. I like the sporty stuff, but I've always had Mustangs and, you know, fast cars. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, again, two, two, two young kids, you, minivan, 
him or something like that, right? Yeah, I can't convince the wife. She's still now no minivans. I got true story, and somehow we're like this to email. But when my sons were hitting sort of teenage years, I, I hooked back to my youth, and I and I lucked out and found 1946 Willys Jeep. Wow! And, and bought it, and so they learned a stick shift, and they learned that under the hood isn't that scary, and that you know a a connects to b and makes it do something and mm-hmm. it took a lot of the it took a lot of the mystery out of I mean granted very simple car but it took a lot of the mystery out of that basic you know thing that we use all day every day and here's here's a hook back to email I said am I wrong or is your generation of millennials are, are they actually not as technically savvy as as other older people think they are and, and my son's both said oh yeah like our peers don't know a thing about how all the digital stuff works they they think it just works yeah like email yeah they think it just works yeah yeah it's it's uh it's, my background actually started in software development and so uh, i went from software development to kind of managing uh, yeah. some some companies within the software and so i started to move into operations and then found my oh, yeah. sweet spot which is operations in a software company yeah it's it's just it's pinpoint where i belong yeah. Um, and Keeping so the trains running on time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's great. It's, it's really great, but I totally agree with you. I mean, sometimes people just, uh, you know, when you click the button, does it work? And my developer brain always goes back to like, do you know how much actually is into that click? Uh, and, and you know, it's not, it's not a jigsaw probably you just pop it in and it works, you know, yeah. everything's got to talk and everything's got to work. Right. So I certainly appreciate the, uh, and it, it's, it's all wired up in a much more fragile way than any of us think it is, right? Like, why is this, you know, website not working? Why is that app not working? I'm like, oh, day. There could be so many reasons. Yep. Honey, I, I'm sorry it's not working. A, I didn't write B, I yep. probably don't care. You know, yeah. I was at Restart, try it again, uh, whatever. But, yeah. Come text, large- become tech support. For all this these is other the largest companies. machine civilization has ever created, the net. I mean, if you want to just think about it in the abstract, this is the most complicated thing we've ever put together and have, have working in an interdependent way. So, yeah, yeah it's complicated. Um, mm-hmm. and, and email at, at the ungodly volume of email flowing around the planet is not a minor part of that great big machine, even though... We all use it. We all take it for granted. It's sort of like wallpaper, et cetera. Like mm-hmm. how there are literally thousands, tens of thousands of people involved in keeping, you know, keeping the roads rolling as, uh, as Heinlein used to say. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of dependencies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everything is dependent on everything else in a way. So, uh, you know, we see it all the time, we, you know, something downstream goes, goes offline or upstream yeah. and. You know, it affects that service, which affects that service, yeah. you know, yeah. and so it creates that, that ripple effect behind it. But yeah, I mean, look forward to more of this. This is the future. This is where we're headed for sure. Well, and, and email's getting, it's going along for the ride. I'm, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you that it's not going to go away. I'm not surprised that we saw sort of a, a bump, uh, during the pandemic in, in, in terms of use. Um, when you talk to someone about generational view, oh yeah, but. Kids don't use email. I said, yeah, at 17 and a half, they will. I guarantee you. I've watched it over and over and over. Like college applications, job applications, whatever it is. Welcome to real life. You need an email address. Mm-hmm. Right. 
mm-hmm. right? You probably need more than one, right? Just no way around it. Yo, are you applying for a job? Yeah, what's your email address? Right? You're signing yeah. up for your fill in the blanks, bank account, credit card, whatever. What's your email address? Like, yeah, it's it's the unique identifier for it is a ton of your it is everyday use that whether you know it or not, your health yeah. insurance, yeah. your you know, all these things, it's all, they're all turning it all back to email and, and yeah. just kind of shows how critical it is. And, and Lucy, Lucy Goosey and open to, uh, you know, open to misbehavior as it is, it, 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 there's still at least some modicum of the individual can exercise a degree of control over their email address. I quit mm-hmm. both, I mentioned my son, as I quit both of them with Gmail addresses fairly early on, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do tech support for the rest of their lives. They're going to mm-hmm. need an email address. I certainly don't want to pay for it if I can avoid it. Okay, here you go, guys. I've set you up with email addresses. What's that? Never mind. You'll use it, right? Mm-hmm. And now a decade later, they're still using it and, and probably have a zillion things wired into it, right? It's their de facto identifier, their home address, um, only yep. than that. And I didn't, didn't, at least I knew not to. Not to make it our our ISP of the moment, right? I can't sure. change internet providers. I'd lose my my email address. Yeah, yeah. We're finally catching on to why they. Yeah, we're finally, uh, yeah, why it was right. always free, right? Yeah, why well, uh, it was always free. Like, really locked you in, much more than people even understood it. But AOL is a great example. It was I mean, great so many example, people yeah. got locked into AOL and they're complete bees. And, you know, when you try to get away, it was like, that's my email address. Right. I, I did the same thing. I created uh, two email accounts for my, my kids who, before they could even walk, they right. they have email addresses. And I actually used to, it turned into a fun way of sending photos from my phone to that email. They always have a place to go back. Oh, cool. Uh, and see this <laughs> stuff. And so, I don't know. I could be overthinking it. They have a long way to go. You know, I don't know. Gmail seems like it's going to be around for a while. They, they really are kicking down a lot of doors here. So. We'll see. They are a big player. I mean, we can we can jump onto that one for a second. I I I I've looked from a number of angles at the at the sort of shifts in who dominates what piece of this uh, ecosystem we call email. Mm-hmm. Gmail for sure dominates the 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 inbox itself. It's over sixty percent of of inboxes. If I remember the last time I looked at the litmus data. But there's this funny Cold War going on because Apple has over 50% of the email clients used to get to those inboxes, and they don't do things the same way, and they don't have the same philosophy about the world and privacy and things like that. And you got to live right at the intersection of all those things. Yes. I I mean, I really appreciate what Apple's done. Um, yeah. And I really appreciate what Gmail's done, to be honest, and what Google has, has accomplished. They they have absolutely defined what the interface should look like. I, mm-hmm. I still see, like for me, the Outlook online is awful. I mean, I just like, I don't know anybody who likes it, the 365 yeah. online. Yeah. Uh, I've supported businesses that used it and it was like, yeah. how do I even see my email? I can't find it. So I, I Gmail's, in my opinion, has done a really good job. And the easy and, and you know put it put on any of your devices super easy uh very friendly the snooze reminders the automated stuff the auto replies that they can kind of suggest for you they've done a, a great job but i really appreciate what apple's done with some of the privacy stuff because i see it in a different world too and how many data breaches are happening and how many people are just you know leaking their info and 
when you make the email unique, which is what they've been able to accomplish to spin up a unique email, sometimes per service that you're registering with, it breaks that, oh, well, that's the same username on the bank. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's the same username on their paycheck process. Oh, that's funny. Uh, you know, and then they, they have access to everything and, and everything about you. And so to really start to break that down, I think is, I think it's a good thing, but I don't know, you know, if everyone's taking advantage of it as they could. Um, Apple's big privacy on email shift, what, a year and a half ago now, the, the June 20, the, the MPP, yeah, MPP, um, mm -hmm. it's been, it's been absorbed and, and it's now sort of the law of the land, if you will. And what I see from email marketers is they're, they're kind of accepted it. They're used to it. Like, okay, yeah. I guess we can't get measurements of that and we won't know whether or not yada, 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 so-and-so is opening our email or not. There's some losses there. There's some gains there, but for better or worse, it's, it just is at this point. I, I don't see Apple reversing that just because half, half a dozen marketers are missing their open rate measurements or something. I, um, I see them doubling down and continuing to find new ways to make it harder. Yeah. And, you know, from an email marketing perspective, which is what all of our business is, and, and that's how people, our customers, they work with email marketing. And so I actually like it and I'll tell you why I like it because it's a challenge, but I love change. I embrace change and actually I'm in our company, I'm one of the people who push for change and push towards, towards new stuff. So why I like it is because it turns a useless metric to even more useless. So open rate was always, in my opinion, has always been useless yeah. because yeah. open rate is also, I'm on my phone and I opened it and I immediately closed it. Yeah. Is that a good, yeah. it's not a good metric. It never has been. It never has been. Um, and so, you know, now you're talking about click through rates. Now that's the next level that you can get to. It's better, um, but you still have that. You know, oh, I hit it with my finger. I accidentally clicked it, kill the window. It still pushes back to the ultimate goal, which is what were you trying to accomplish in that email in the first place? And did that statistic get hit? So if it's converting to a purchase, coupon code, sign up, webinar, you know, now how many people are signing up on your webinar? It makes them really focus on the goal, in my opinion, versus clickbait, yeah. subject lines. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, I had an open, great open rate, but a terrible click through rate. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you're you're focused on the wrong thing, and not not all email messages have the goal of getting me to some other channel, web or mm -hmm. or something like that. Like my favorite email of the day usually is a newsletter I subscribe to. I open it, I read it, I close it. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've clicked on a link to to the site that's related to it ever. Why? Because I get what I want in the email message, right? And I've been paying the guy for years to get his newsletter, you know, win-win equation for, for both of us, from my perspective. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Definitely a different use case where it's more, you just, your intent is to ingest. And yeah. so the metric there that I would be looking for from the sender is what's my own subscribe rate. Right. And I'd be focused on, you know, dropping my own subscribe rate. And did I do something differently that really pushed that up? Yeah. And so if, but again, it's still, it pushes it past just open, right? It pushes, because yeah. that, that's not the best metric. I can fake that. I can show you 100% open rate. <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> what happened? What, yeah. what's, the res what's the end result? And that's always, in my opinion, what you should be focused on is getting towards the end result and measuring the end result and optimizing for that.
are we going to as as Apple continues to evolve privacy as 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 we broadly you know policy government level continue to push for more privacy I suspect that's a fair statement are we going to know even less about the people on our list um yeah I think so. I think you're going to see much more anonymous type data, scrambled looking data, right? Encrypted uh, in some sort of fashion. And so again, yeah, it's going to come with challenges, but I think as we evolve, we always either overcome the challenge and find something better out of it, or, you know, we just, we just have to adapt. And ultimately I think that's, what's going to, what's going to come out of all this stuff is marketing's not going to die because they, they, Killed all ways of your tracking. Let's say hundred percent of your tracking goes away. I don't see us as a business stopping email marketing. Sure. I don't see us stopping our, our ad placements. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, if you, if you think like that, then of course you're going to drown your own business, but <laughs> you know, we have to push through it and ultimately stuff will come out of it. Right. Yeah. Behaviors, behavior can still be measured even anonymously. So yeah. AB testing through your website, did that color button. I mean, these things, they're small things that it doesn't matter if that's me or you, and I know it's you or me. It just mattered actually what converted better. And so I think it moves us towards smarter behavioral type tracking. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we have all the technology to support that, but uh, that's where I start to see how marketers really start to focus is on what's the behavior. Because ultimately your numbers are trackable, right? Your sales, your new customers, your whatever, you know. Yeah, your your business is trackable when you have all the data that you needed. So um, the filling in the blanks, I think that's where it's just going to get, my opinion, a little bit uh, scary and then hopefully more colorful if you are creative enough. Wait, delve into scary a little bit. Well, for the people who don't see it coming and all of a sudden MPP is released and all the email marketers throw their hands up and go, what do I do? Yeah. You know, it, and instead of trying to solve the challenge, focus on your goals is just my business advice. Right. And so I've, I've seen this in our own business or email marketers. What are we going to do? You know, we, we, or tracking, should we change something? It's like, no, don't change anything. You know, would you change something like you change for the right reason is, is, is how I see things. So, uh, when I say scary, I think it's because I see it as more, um, I feel more cutting edge. I feel more educated and understand kind of the, the spectrum here. Whereas, um, and there's nothing wrong, but for sure, the whole entire marketing world is not as advanced as, as other pe some people are in it. And so I think it's going to get scary for the people that, that don't know how to navigate yeah. Yeah. dark water, water, yeah. right. Yeah. And yeah. they've yeah. never been there, you know, so scary there, but you know, you got to push through it and, and get well, to the right place. Also, also scary in that, uh, let's see if I can articulate this well. Um, we, we had a temporary and surprisingly temporary, uh, sort of set of norms. Oh, I can, let's use email. I can send email and I can get measurements of whether or not people opened it. Um, that was, that lasted for like 10, 12 years. It wasn't forever. And to think of it as, as a fixed North star, you can always use it. And it's scary when it goes away. Well, it was, it was temporary in the first place. And if you understood the mechanisms underneath it, you said it wasn't actually that good a measure in the first place. Why were you using it? it was the wrong, mm -hmm. thing to, wrong thing to focus on, you know, the lipstick, not the pig or something like that. Um, yeah. 
And I think, honestly, I think the same thing of third-party cookies. It's a huge, the advertising ecosystem that spun up around the ability to sort of drop additional trackers, 23 on average, um, inside my browser session. It looks like it was normal on the way business and marketing were done. It was very temporary, and I'll be perfectly happy to see it go bye-bye. Yep. Yep. I mean, even, even, uh, so I also come from some traditional, uh, marketing where I was part of an agency and we did print marketing and direct mail, right? Yeah. Do you have open rates on direct mail? Yeah. Right. No. Do you have click through rates? Right. So right. what, what you measure, right? How many people you have a tracking number? That's something that usually we'll see. We'll see unique tracking phone numbers. And yeah. now you're measuring that part, right? And so to me, I see it as very similar, uh, where yeah. you, know, you can't focus on, so, for example, you buy a list and it's it's an abandoned apartment building. You delivered a piece of mail there and it, it doesn't exist. If that's your metric is delivery rate, then you look like a rock star. But if your if your message was to do, to book an appointment and you have zero appointments, yeah, you failed. And yeah. so, you know, it's it's again, it's seeing past just the fog right in front of your face. You have to dive through that and, and get to your guide towards the, the, the real goal you're trying to accomplish and, yeah. and always have it in mind, stop being scared of the things that come in front of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a means it's not, it's almost never the end. Email is a marketing channel. It's a means not, not the end, uh, mm-hmm. in an, in and of itself. Uh, so you came from other domains, dev, I think some web dev, if I remember your LinkedIn profile correctly yep. and agency yep. world. Um, and then you, <laughs> you ended up in this one. How was it to learn this space? So, um, well, understanding email was pretty simple for me because if you've ever built softwares, you have to send notifications. And so you know how to connect to a mail server and kind of send the commands that way. So that part was actually pretty simple for me to pick up on. Mm-hmm. What I did not see coming and what I never had on my radar was all that gray area that I told you about the kinds of email that's out there. So, yeah. uh, you know, you have these complainers, you have litigation emails and domains where they're, they're no litigators. If you email them, uh, they're, they're, they're happy to slap lawsuits towards you because you wow. should email them. Um, you have spam traps, which are built by the ISPs yeah. and the different kind of email providers intentionally made for you to. Uh, well, you should never have their, that email is, is the, the fact behind it. But if you do send to it, you're automatically blacklisted on their platform. Right. Uh, and the only way you would have it is because you either scraped data off the web or you bought a list of somebody who scraped data off the web and used yeah. that. Yeah. And so I never really had any clues types of things existed. And, you know, you just, you just stop thinking about it. And I've been in marketing my whole life uh, and, and tech. And so it was just really interesting to see that level of, uh, detail kind of surface. And that's, that's one of the things that I really like educating people on and kind of talking about, because I think people just always assume it's an email, right? It's, it's you, yeah. it's me. And, yeah. and it's really not, there's unmanned email, but there's probably more unmanned emails than there are real people behind it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you have to, you should be aware of it is, is really kind of what I like to, to educate on. Hmm. Um, Am I accurate in saying that email as a, as a whole, the sort of the, the, the back end, well, many of those gray areas exist, is, is a self-regulating industry to a great extent? 
Um, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's not a lot of law behind it other than kind of GDPR and that subset, right? But if, if we kind of stick yeah. in the US, yeah. um, I mean, it's, it's really still an, an open concept. It, it's, there's no stopping. It's hard to, to, to track it back to an actual person. Right. And so I would say it's actually pretty unregulated. Um, I don't know if regulation would be good or bad for it, but, 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 and I use self-regulation intentionally. So for example, you talked about, you know, the impact on reputation. If, if, you know, if you do a bad job on ascent reputation as defined by said by monitored by a whole bunch of participants in the industry, but it's not like there's a law book somewhere that says, here's the formula that's going to change your reputation. The, the big, some of the big players, Google in particular, I think, play, uh, play a particularly uh, impactful role in that measurement. But we didn't all get together as a, as a nation or the UN and say, right. hey, let's put Google in charge of that. Like, it's just sort of happened as a self-regulation to keep the channel flowing, to keep the system working and i'm like i'm actually i'm great with it i actually think that's a remarkable story because there are a lot of digital domains that haven't self-regulated very well this one has the volume in your inbox is the proof the reduction in mm-hmm. spam even though i still get some and so do you reduction mm-hmm. in spam is the proof. <laughs> like that's a heck of an interesting success story to me i would totally agree with you um you know wh- where where there has been regulation not in a formal way, but is on what I like is it's actually creating separation on the providers. And so, you know, Gmail doesn't have to do it the way AOL does. It doesn't have to do it the way Outlook wants to do it in Microsoft. And so when when you say, oh, there's no rule, there's no, there's best practices, but it's an opinion to be honest. It's no, 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 no one can tell you there's, there's not a, uh, a handbook with, you know, section 2.13, follow this protocol and this is how you do it. Uh, there's best practices and no one person actually, I would think has the best practice. It's, right. it's almost, you got to kind of collect from everybody and grab the good stuff from it, uh, and, and create a formula that works for you because what, what, what's interesting is just the type of business you have, the prescription is different. And so, uh, you know, you can't just follow a Google guide. You can maybe get a good, good right. idea from it. Right. Yeah. And it might work for your business, but yeah. you know, then I have a guide wants to send to 2 million emails that he just purchased. And he's like, what's the best way? And I'm like, throw it in the trap. Yeah, it does do it. And so, you know, that's a different answer to somebody like you who maybe has been building for years and it's organic growth and it's always been great. And so the prescription is much different for somebody like that. And so Hmm. I, I, I can appreciate some of it because it does make the good provider stand out. And the bad ones really have just deteriorated. I don't even think they do anything on some of these anymore. And I don't want to name them because I don't have any fear behind it. But what are they doing to improve it? Yeah. Maybe I, I, not a book I'm going to write you. So uh, knock stuff out if you want to. But um, the email ecosystem, as an example of a self regulating quasi free market, is kind of intriguing because there really is very little what we formal regulation in the legal sense that defines this stuff. The technical protocols, which were ag- agreed on in standards committees, not set externally by 
by some guy in Washington, D.C. They've defined the landscape to some extent, but it's remarkably open, remarkably flexible. We've built on top of these 20, 30, 40-year-old standards to mm-hmm. do the stuff that we're doing. And um, there's a remarkable degree of, well, let's, let's try to keep this thing working that I, that I get from people in the industry. Like there's, a, there's even a, quite a passion for doing the right thing so that this keeps working, so that I can email someone clear across the country and arrange you know, a conversation and not even think anything of the fact that it worked. Right. Remarkable. Yeah, it's, it is a lot. One, I don't think, uh, so Ray Tomlinson's the guy who created the first, yeah. sent the first email. Yeah. We, we actually, Zero Banks coined and created National Email Day in, in, uh, in honor of him. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we actually were able to interview uh, a family member of his because uh, I believe he's no longer with us, but, um, and one of the things that we kind of came out of it was no one saw the future of, you know, you look back to when it was created, they did not think it was going to be today where it's at today. And so how we've kind of compounded it, enhanced it, made it better, made it more user-friendly, easier and mobile. I mean, again, I, I don't think we're even close to being done. It's, I, w- I had a friend, a conversation with a friend the other day who's in business and he goes, you know, he's, he's, a, he's in the security world, uh, you know, event security and things like that, high profile security. And he said, Brian, I don't know. I just don't understand it. These guys email me and expect a response back in, in 10 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, it's business tech messaging is how I see email in almost today's world. And, you know, if you don't reply to an email in a few hours, people start pinging you in other ways, right? It's like, Hey, did you get this? And and so it's, it used to be, you could send an email and like a, like a snail mail, right? You kind of had that patience Yeah. in the business world. We're not there anymore. It's, I, I really see this business text messaging. Um, and I kind of see the, the future of it going more towards instant deliveries and kind of wanting instant replies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. yeah. And, and, and at the same time, the technical affordances of the channel, what it does like what it, what it's actually wired up to do on protocols and sequence of data. Um, you don't have things like an indicator that I'm typing my reply as you do in fill in the blanks chat client. Um, Mm -hmm. I try to stay on top of, and I'll bet you do as well, try and stay on top of a reasonable business turnaround for responses, right? I got an email from so-and-so, can you make it to keynote in May? last night responded to him this morning felt like felt like a reasonable pace to me he didn't know whether i was working on it mm-hmm. if i spent days and didn't get back to him he might deal you know delist me from his you know future good to work with right. speakers right there's this culture courtesy rhythm habit stuff like that but the channel itself fascinatingly enough doesn't tell him he didn't know i got it he assumed i did because the thing we talked about all the work and making the channel continue to work um, yep. he doesn't know I'm writing back. I got the response back. Okay, cool. That, you know, that's solved. We're both, you know, content with that particular moment. He didn't need the, um, pacifier of the little bit of his email. And if that mm-hmm. existed, I suspect it would get abused. For sure. No, uh, definitely, definitely would. Um, so I don't know. I, I like some of these things and in, in the, the differences between yep. like text messaging and email yep. for sure. Yep. But, um, that's just how I perceive where we are in the world of 
especially B2B business email and personal email, I think, you know, it'll come back with a text on the side, right? Hey, did you get my email? Right, right. This right. world, we don't have that luxury. And it's really, you know, people, I, I think people are just, they're, they're looking for instant replies and we built our support process around that. Oh, I, did you, I was going to say, I was just thinking of support. Yeah. yeah. We have a uh, 24, seven, 365 live support, wow. uh, not, not, a. Uh, Outsourced agencies are our staff team members trained on our product. Yeah. Um, and we have a SLA 15 minutes. We've got to give nice. a response back to a customer through email and not an automated. And so, yeah. uh, might have not have the answer. Yeah. Might take more time to get to the answer, but because we just, we've seen it. I mean, if you don't give them something in an hour, the reply with a question mark. Right. Yeah. And the reply again, any update. It's like, uh, we just got it an hour and a half ago. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've taken it instead of fighting against it, which is yeah. what your customers want. They want instant responses from you. Uh, why fight against that? Go with it. And then, you know, I encourage anyone go look at zero bounce reviews on any platforms yeah. and system. We do it. We have thousands of five-star reviews on how awesome our support team is. And so partially from leaning into uh, that, like mm -hmm. that expectation that, you know, emotional load of reasonable thing. If I email this company particularly if I'm already a customer, I would expect them to get back to me. Why? Because I'm already a customer because that's what yeah. they're supposed to be there for. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and just, um, just, just to get a good laugh with you here. I don't know if, if you've heard of Zendesk, I assume you have, it's a ticketing sure. or sure. Ad software to, to manage ticketing. And they, they are an email platform. It started as, you know, support at your domain would come into Zendesk and you kind of deal with your, your customer's okay. issues and they no longer support email as a way to get support for their product. And it's always bothered me to the core yeah. that you built a product for email support yeah, and then you don't do email support. And you do email support. Wow. It's, it stuck me to the core and I can't believe some board approved this. Mm -hmm. Um, they used to have it and they took it off. And so I just kind of laugh, you know, again, to me, it's like, you're not focused on your actual customer goal here and, and you're providing an email support platform, but then you don't provide email support. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's mind blowing. Well, you can, you can flip it on his head and I'll, and I'll probably show the, you know, the gray hair at the temples with his comment, but to me, it's actually a competitive business advantage to bother, to get back to people in a timely way, to show up to meetings on time and other like old fashioned things like that. Come on, he, like that's that's yeah. why you're doing what you're doing in in your business. Like, don't don't be rude, and it's actually it's good for everybody if, if you mm -hmm. go ahead and stay on top of it, respond. I, I call it the basics, the one hundred and one. But you know, for some people, they're like, "Oh wow, yeah, that sounds like a lot of work." And I'm like, "How were you know?" I, I just start to think like, "Well, how were you raised?" And you yeah. know, like, and these <laughs> all these types of things. It's like, well, you want. You want a good business with a good reputation, charge high prices because you're a quality provider and you're this and you're that, but then you don't want to do the basic. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> good support goes a really long way. Definitely encourage if you have support and it's, it's on the defense of good or bad, or you, if you don't feel like it's great, mm. and I say the word great, not good, great, fix it. Uh, if you have a customer facing product, fix it because yeah. it goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like answering the phone. What a crazy idea. Actually answering the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who would have thought you, have, I, you put a phone number on someone actually picks it up. Uh, I, yeah, we, I, I, we have to go there, even though we don't have that much time left, but we have to talk about 
AI in this context or in the broader email context a little bit. So where are you as we're in the early days of oh, chat GT, GPT exploding into the public consciousness? Yeah. So, I mean, love the tool. Uh, absolutely embraced it. I pushed it and helped push it across our organization for, hey, the marketing team, you guys got to look at it. And I immediately got pushed back. Hey, well, you know, it's not a human. It's, yeah. it's natural though, right? And so as a leader and someone who's running business, you have to be okay with natural responses, right? They, people, I think, think it's going to take their jobs and they're, they're going to maybe lose it because they have this cutting edge way of thinking and writing. Again, I have no issues with it, but embrace what's also available to you, right? And so I see it as, I see ChatGPT is absolutely amazing. So between the replies that it can give you, the plans it can build for you, an SEO strategy it can build for you, a, a series of emails for your welcome campaign right. that you otherwise would have, you know, if you're anything like me where you can talk, but you can't write, I hate writing. I just, I just don't put the words together as, as properly as I'd like to it. This is a lifesaver for, you know, for people like this. And so, um, you know, I can give you a couple sentences, but if you can turn that into a, yeah. a 10, 10 emails of yeah. step-by-step guides, I, I don't even know what to do. I'm like, holy, you know, yeah. what do I do with this? Uh, yeah. this is, this is, it's like too quick, right? You, you kind of, so I love it. Um, I think that we will get more into this as far as the the replies and the sends of email, I think it's going to start to play some more roles here. Email started it, but it's not nearly on chat GPT level with those kind of quick reply bubbles. So they're kind of ingesting keywords on the message and then suggesting some real quick, uh, great for mobile. Yeah. Um, but you know, I do see, Hey, what do you think about this idea? And then a slapped chat GPT like response right next to it to feed your brain while you think of a reply or just mm -hmm. say, wow, mm -hmm. that killed it. Send mm -hmm. that one. Mm -hmm. You know, I do see that type of stuff. And, and the, the, the thing that I see is taking advantage of is time. And to me, it's just, it's the time and quality is so good that to not embrace it. I think you're doing yourself a major disservice, uh, you know, but. For, again, for anyone that can kind of, you know, I don't know if people write that fast, but you can't possibly write that fast, that good, <laughs> that quick. Uh, it, it just, I don't know how that's possible. So I'm actually really excited towards the future of it. I don't really know what it means for email, um, but I do think it's going to continuously kind of improve it. I could see it graded from an email marketer that uh, is intelligently sending the emails at the perfect time for each one of those customers sure, uh, sure. automatically or intelligently selecting the type of content they like. Uh, these type of things I could see it being very useful for, but how it particularly gets in there, it's going to be really a big challenge. They're going to either have to partner yeah. or buy licensing type thing, uh, or kind of, if everyone creates their own, that's going to be interesting also. But then if everyone's using the same thing, is it repetitive? Is it repetitive? Yeah. There's, there's challenges. Yeah. There's going to be challenges yeah. for sure. We're going to have just, just on the math of it. Okay. We're going to have, we're going to have multiple, um, AI engines to choose from, but not an infinite number of them because currently it costs a billion dollars to train one of those bad boys. So it's the sport of Kings. You and I are not going to, you know, we're not going to tee up our own 
AI mm -hmm. model. Why? Because I don't want to put a billion dollars into that if I can use the API to talk to someone else's. Thanks very much. Right. Good. But mm -hmm. the number of ways we'll experiment and try and figure out what's this useful for? How does this make business or life better? Practically infinite. I mean, I, I love your response. Like, play with it. Try it. I don't know. If, and if you don't like the pros, don't send it right? or rewrite it or something like right. that. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah. I keep thinking people, the, the concern about it'll take my job fascinates me because my reaction is if this will help me do my job better, I've got that much more of a competitive advantage in doing my job. I, I was fighting with, confessing on myself here, I was, I was fighting with learning, Java, learning more JavaScript, more in-depth in JavaScript for a project. And I was like, I don't get how this freaking works. Like, ah, mm -hmm. frustrating language. Look for answers, look for answers. Google, Stack Overflow. Like, I still don't get it. I went, right? Went to ChatGPT and I'm like, hey, yo, Skippy the robot, explain this to me because I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Perfectly lucid response with, you know, with sample code that helped me make sense of it. Just snap. I'm like, just as a paid teaching assistant, they yep. can have my 20 bucks a month anytime. It makes mm -hmm. me faster. It makes me smarter. And I'm not substituting the output of the engine for, you know, what I'm responsible to get done. I'm just using it as an even more refined tool to get the job done. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm, I'm actually, I'm really excited about it. It's, yeah. uh, it's something that i you know, the second I heard about, it, I was like, oh my God, how do I get on a gas? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. ran yeah. towards it and they weren't even accepting people. It got overloaded like first day or oh, first yeah. two days and they're like, yeah. And so it was like, I'm in the middle of the night checking. I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> and I sleeping, you know, and just, uh, I, I really like it. I'm, I can't really wait to see what they figure out past it. Uh, again, yes. there's always that scary part of it of what it could be and what, what we hope it doesn't go down a path of, cause everyone's, everyone's a little unsure of what that means for, you know, generational type things, but, um, but that, that always, always happens with, with, with sort of a large scale wave, there's always yeah. a, a freak out moment, call it, let, call it, you know, whatever. And then you go, Hmm, okay, well, what, what good stuff can we do with it? What constructive things can we do with it? And ultimately you're making a bet on good and constructive being better business than destructive. No one's going to say, I'll use an AI to take away your job just for fun. Right. right? Yeah. And you know what? If you were in the buggy whip business a few decades back, I'm really sorry. I suspect you're in another business now, right? It just doesn't work. Yep. 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 With all of the large data challenges of a business like Zero Bounds, I suspect they'll end up being some amazing opportunities as, as we start to be able to harness the capabilities of AI engines for even more specific use cases. Definitely. I, I, I can even see that too, where they start to build certain engines for certain types of things. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, a marketing engine and they, they kind of box it into yeah. a marketing side. Yeah. Exactly. I could argue the pros and cons of things like that. And, you know, why do that when I can do it for everybody and have one product and dominate? I, I could argue all of that. Sure. But maybe it's where it also creates kind of the differentiation between people using the product and, you know, so who, who really knows? Definitely an interesting, I'll tell you what, I'd love to be, uh, you know, involved in it in some way, because if yeah. you're worried about 
age sort of job security. You shouldn't really be too worried over there. That's the future. I mean, everyone, everyone's paying big bucks for us. I, I, I love it. And I don't mind you saying, but I saw me on LinkedIn and it was post a job application, like a, a listing. And it said uh, three to $500,000 a year salary. Uh, your job is to sit by the chat GPT machine and unplug the damn thing if we rang you. And that was their job. <laughs> it was like, what all makes loose? You, you single-handed person in front of the machine, you are the one who has to kill the power. Right. Um, and it's just, I, I, I don't know why, but it gave me lots of laughs and just kind of was like, this is the way, uh, you know, people are thinking like this though, it is, yeah. is the truth is they are, they're nervous. Yes. Especially, you know, generations that don't even understand computers, let alone AI are, are, you know, so, and, and the young people, I think they love it and they're going to, they're going to triple down on this stuff as they get more into it. And it's just going to compound in my opinion. Yeah. I, I do think, I do think that the flood of text and imagery vying for my attention is only going to get higher. Um, and I suspect one of the ways I want Skippy the robot to work for me is, hey, Skippy, would you go through my inbox and find all of the crap from your friends and delete it for me? Because I really don't want to read it <laughs> Like, and learn what I mean mm -hmm. by crap there, Skippy. <laughs> right. Because right. content marketing, web pages, et cetera, like the volume's just going to go bananas and the quality's not necessarily going to go up. Kind of what you were saying about quantity, quality in an email list. The quantity, quality, mm -hmm. and prose. Uh, more typing is not a better paper fair, guys. Um, yep. And the value of actual, you know, the value of the actual lateral thing that that people are good at. I suspect creative artists who collaborate with AI are going to surprise the bejeepers out of us. Could be fun to watch. Yeah, I actually, I'm, I, again, I'm really excited. I, I can't wait to see what they come out with it. Me, me too. Well, Brian, we wandered, uh, we wandered away from email a little bit, man. You okay with that? Yeah. I'm okay with it. I like, I like good conversation and, and, uh, you know, if anything, I hope some of the listeners got some, got some good, uh, insight towards some of the complexity of, yeah. of the type of emails besides your use case of sending or receiving, there's a whole area in between there. Just, you know, for us, we just want to create visibility around it and make people aware of all the different, uh, complexities. Well, and especially, especially where it's where it's a, a marketing channel which is you know major use of email these days um don't just hit send especially at scale don't just hit send like take mm -hmm. a little time it will pay off it's like like driving without car insurance or something like that right yeah what, what's the saying people are saying what's the worst they're gonna happen right uh in email space it can be actually a pretty bad it's thing and pretty catastrophic. create a whole bunch of work so yeah. you know slow down the thought, you know, and it costs a lot messages, more, doesn't it, to make a yeah. mistake? For sure, uh, yeah. it's very easy to make a mistake. I'm trying to think of a good analogy here of how simple it is to break something and how hard it is to fix it once you've broken it. Right. Uh, you know, like a transmission, very easy to have fun in a car and you know yeah. do some donuts and then blow the thing to pieces. That's not the that part's not fun. Painful time, money. Energy, focus, questions, yeah. calls, all these things. And, uh, you know, this is what we see a lot from the, from the reactive people that come to zero bounds because they come to us with problems and we help them with solutions, but that solution is not an overnight thing. Uh, you know, and yeah. so yeah, don't try not to get there if you, and it's, you might, you might also be there and not even know it. 
And that's another thing. So just, you know, for anyone who's like, oh my God, is that me? I, I do encourage you to kind of come to our website, check some stuff out there because we can give you some analysis and stuff. But, uh, you know, that can be you. And people sometimes don't even have a clue that it, that it is them. Cool. Well, if someone's interested, which I'm sure they will be after this conversation, uh, zerobounce.net is the starting place. That is it. Cool. My guest today has been Brian Minnick, CEO at Zero Bounce. Brian, it's been a slice. I knew it would be. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We're out.